I think we have realised how interconnected we are. The stress of all the changes, it's, it's been quite frightening times. Um, and so maybe there are things, there are things for particular individuals who can find positive. It's a real contrast to, to how bad things are in some state schools that are really struggling. And we mustn't think it's bad for everybody just because it's bad for some, or good for everybody just because it's good for some. People are all so different. Welcome to a Nova special. As children head back to school, we reflect on the topic of education in the COVID era, opportunity or travesty. For nearly a year, the way our children have been educated has changed beyond recognition, as schools across the country have closed and been replaced by homeschooling. In this episode, we weave in the voices of educational psychologist and former teacher, Dr. Joe Taylor, teacher, lecturer, former superhead and artist Lynette Kamala and parents with children in both state and independent schools to think about the diverse role education systems play within our society. We'll talk about the impact of the pandemic which has been widely felt by children, teachers and parents. What have our experiences been and what lessons can we carry forward into the future? I'm aware that before lockdown, some people would say, you know what, schools just do learning. And we have seen how when schools closed for most of their students, actually, a lot of people, policymakers were worried because they were suddenly realizing some children might not be getting enough food. Some children might not have a safe space to live in or, or be in for the day. Mental health might be an issue amongst children even more and what about social connection my daughter had a massive meltdown a couple of weeks ago and up until that point I would have said that she was really coping with it well and it became quite clear that she wasn't we're a single parent family as well so it is like a pressure cooker in here the challenges we find is that I'm being put into the position of teacher so although we have an online 20 minutes of online literacy and 20 minutes of online numeracy for seven-year-olds the school is expecting them to be far more IT literate and good at managing their time picking up on what's next so if I don't sit next to her the whole time it can all unravel quite quickly and for me that links directly back to the subtitle opportunity or travesty now that we see that schools do occupy this really broad and important role in communities there's an opportunity to be supporting the people that work there in the right way it certainly has shone a light on the real importance of schools the value that children young people put on actually just physically seeing each other that's kind of been stopped and I think it doesn't matter what type of school what sort of environment it's so important in those informative years and there's been that sort of disruption to that that will have an impact in terms of loss anxiety the stress of all the changes it's, it's been quite frightening times when you're downloading and you're getting the work whether it's on the website or through google classrooms there's always problems with PDF files not loading up or not get printing out properly or Word documents and it's really frustrating and time consuming. I am really concerned that there's going to be a whole generation with appalling eyesight and pitiful handwriting and bad posture. It's almost impossible to get work done during nine to three. You just can't. They are seven. They can't. 
switch around between Google Meets and lodging their work. Um, that's a level of technology that's really difficult for early years. There's been a, a complete shift, shall we say, in education from many schools sort of saying, put your phones away, don't use technology, pay attention, you know, to a complete, we must all be online, everyone's got to use technology, <laughs> you know. It is really interesting the way that you framed it in terms of we've gone from this place of where it's like, put your phone away. And now it's like everybody needs to have a device. And certainly if the alternative is no education, that that's a great thing. But I'd also reference some research from the Center for Education and Youth. They teamed up with Exeter University and they talked to young people over lockdown. And 70% of them said learning over technology remotely is, is not as good as learning in the classroom and the main reason they gave was that teachers were finding it harder to know when they were being understood. What I found really important was that daily contact. Um, it really saddened me. I was shocked to hear from like my neighbour like across the road. She hadn't had, they hadn't had a single phone call. I don't know how that's possible and I know everyone's, we were all dealing with our challenges but I'm thinking of the bigger schools. I just felt that I'm, I'm not sure how that happened that between so many staff that there wasn't a way for regular phone calls. I've got a great concern about students who, who have sort of gone missing. It's harder to track people. I'm conscious in the school of which I'm a governor. They're very good at, you know, attendance and everything. But if somebody disappears, what can you do? You can't go around anymore or anything like that. So I'm, I'm very worried about the kind of those who just disappear off the, off the grid, as it were, and, and who knows what might happen to them. So there's the, the safety net of, of the school has just disappeared, I think, for a lot of people. I'm concerned for the lack of social interaction and how the social skills that would be taught in person-to-person -person and face-to-face -face is, of course, being substituted, but that's also a different kind of interaction and I don't think that my 12 year old daughter is quite capable yet of making the right decisions online all the time and it's harder for me to monitor those sorts of situations. I have to say that the school does a fantastic job of having those social emotional aspects of lessons and that is clearly part of the curriculum that's being taught but there's no substitute and I realize that it's a bit silly to complain about something that's impossible but equally longer term I fear for um, her, especially as a, as a young woman, lacking the skills to adequately gauge those social situations. And I realize that she will be like many others who will also be in that same boat. Nonetheless, I still, I still do worry about it. Something I'm very hopeful about is the fact that I think we have realized how interconnected we are. And that offers up some really interesting and exciting opportunities when we think about mental health because it, it reshapes how we define mental health and how we think about trying to promote it. So if I say the word resilience, I think a lot of people would think about somebody with some inner strength just continuing when things are difficult in the face of overwhelming odds. And that is where it came from. But now psychologists talk about resilience as a process, as a process of harnessing resources. And they can be biological, psychosocial, they can be cultural, they can be structural. And so it's all about 
the process that individual goes on to harness those resources to promote well-being and when we think about what that means for mental health it it changes it from something that's inside us to something that's inside us and around us and it makes mental health the concern of the community and it takes the onus away from the individual no longer is it lizzie practice some self-care look after yourself it starts to think about okay how can joe support lizzie with the routines which really help her to feel good and and nourished and promote that sense of well-being so covid has shone a new light on mental health and reminded us that we all have a collective mental health and a collective responsibility towards supporting and nurturing that looking at mental health through this communal lens and thinking about the importance of supporting mental health networks within schools could be a good takeaway from this chaotic time. As uniforms get ironed and school runs recommence, what sort of things need to happen in education and how can we start to implement them? For so many people, that's been their everyday experience, actually, right? You know, the challenges of going about your daily business, whether it's to get food, whether it's to go to somewhere. And now, you know, there's so many people saying, oh, I can't go out anymore, whatever. Well, for some people, that always was a challenge. And I'm hoping that there could be more compassion and understanding and thinking of ways to improve that, shall we say, that situation. You know, because now perhaps having experienced things that perhaps others hadn't, so, well, don't forget about it just because things go back to so-called normal. And I you know that term, the normal, like maybe a lot of people, it rattles me. You know, what is the normal? What is the new normal? That's assuming everything was cool before, but it wasn't. It's not cool that not everyone can get about on public transport, um, you know, and, and so forth. Yeah. So I, I, anyway, I won't get too crossed about it, but I do think it's an opportunity to say, well, no, let's, let's look, let's reflect, let's think, let's feel, let's um, and listen. Mm. And let's improve. Joe? Part of me thinks that maybe you should get cross about it. And uh, it makes me think about opportunity or travesty and the fact that for some people, if they've been living through what they consider to be a travesty, they might have to process the emotions that come with that. The anger, the frustration, the disgust, before they can think about the opportunity, before they're ready for that. And I think Lynette really clearly highlighted the way in which some people just didn't think about the systems and processes they were using. And I, I just want to add a tiny bit of psychological context for why that happens. And, you know, if we, if we assume that everybody has the best intentions and that they really do want to help people in the best way possible, the thing that I would offer up is when we're in situations of acute and chronic stress, we're less able to empathize. We're less able to be creative. We're less able to problem solve. And we make really fast decisions, which we just kind of think, all right, yeah, let's do it. And we don't sit down and make the space to rethink strategically and get other opinions. And if we're thinking about school communities, they know the needs of their students and staff. And so if they were supported Lynette mentioned supervision earlier, so we can bring it back around. If they were supported, if they had that space to think, to process the things that were difficult, then maybe they would have been able to execute uh, their systems 
in a way that had less of an unintended negative consequence. As we come to the end of the conversation, we join our group of parents to hear, how have parents and children coped? What have been the differences between education in independent and state schools? What do we think about the long-term impact of this period? And what are the positives we can draw out? She has live classes every morning, starting at nine. She has an hour and a quarter of English, and then they have a break, and then they have an hour of maths. And those are live classes. There's a class of 16 children, but in every class, four children are taken out by the teaching assistant for one-on-one teaching, because there's a very high level of English as a second language and remedial English in the school. So there's usually no more than 10 children getting in the in Google Classroom with the teacher for those two live lessons a day. And then in the afternoon, most other things are just materials posted online. But there's some live classrooms for music, music teacher goes on and the science teacher too. And all work is marked immediately, all emails replied to straight away. It's Sorry, I know it's a real contrast to to how bad things are in some state schools that are really struggling. We live in a one bedroom flat and we have a garden. We're very lucky and fortunate to have wonderful neighbours. The first lockdown was a novelty, so we embraced it and the weather really helped. But the second time round now has been very challenging for both of us. We've all, as well as the teachers, have had to embrace everything as we go along. And I accept and respect the teachers for the hard work that they've had to put in. Because, every, you know, this last lockdown, it was just suddenly, right, we're not going back to school. But I'm peeved because from the very beginning, some friends of ours that their children do go to private school, were set up with Google Classrooms, given iPads or um, tablets from the very beginning. Um, the, I thought also, if, if, if students are having exam grades um, sort of done on the basis of teacher assessment, they, I think a long-term effect of that maybe is, that, is they won't feel like they're, they're in charge of their own destiny. It takes away their sense of agency. And, and in effect, it just sort of happens to them. Um, whereas if you do the exam and off it goes, you feel that, you know, that was you doing something to the world and, 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 and having that impact. So I, I worry about the long term impact of students who, who, who miss out on that sense of I did something, whether I succeeded or failed or did what expected or worse expected. It's not really that point. It's they did it as opposed to being sort of passive recipients of the judgment from on high. I don't know what the impact of that would be in the long term. But I think giving them that sense of agency somehow is really important. And I worry that without exams, they won't have it. Thank you. And of course, there is a great deal of evidence about bias in um, teacher marking. So you yeah. Massive attainment gaps. Usually um, kids from minority backgrounds uh, have done really poorly in their predicted grades and then do amazingly well when the, uh, the papers are marked independently. And so there are those kind of issues as well. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't suppose I, for some reason I wasn't expecting it, but I find it quite emotional in a way to hear A, the difference in the kind of education that kids get. That just seems very sad to me at the, that young age, that that educational experience is so different. Um, and also, I guess, 
being a being a solution focused person <laughs> I always think about what how can we kind of support each other's kids or share resources or is there something we can do um I, you know i think one 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 positive is this sense that the more introverted child the more the, the quieter child and student might find some of this actually quite enabling um, and so maybe there are things there are things for particular individuals who can find positive and we mustn't think it's bad for everybody just because it's bad for some or good for everybody just because it's good for some people are all so different um, but so it's not it's not always going to be all bad for everybody mm, that's so it's kind of the best I can do <laughs> thank you for your efforts yeah go on Margaret I love being present for those moments when their faces light up understood something or they've just figured something out and they've done it by themselves and you're there rather than hearing about it at the end of the day or the, the next day or the week after or from the teacher you can see that learning and you can see that sense of accomplishment which we don't often get to see right there in the moment and I think that's priceless. Thank you. Uh, Maria? Yeah just to follow on to what Margaret said having the opportunity to sit alongside with my daughter and you're watching all the other children and how they're actually engaging with the lesson um, and how the teacher actually handles the the whole session it's kind of comforting when you think okay my child may not be doing as great as the others but then when you see the others not doing so great you think oh, actually my child's not too bad <laughs> at least she's doing all right